with that new guy. Wow, good setup, guys. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. solid. It's a cool spot. How long cool have you guys spot. been doing your, co- your podcast? Shoot, not long. Not long. So we did. We started, obviously, with Steven and Nate uh-huh, in the morning right. where he started it. And then about halfway towards the end of the year, I jumped on with him. For one episode. We had, a, we had a lot of fun, and then he just started coming on. And with then me I started every coming week. on, and then they 810 was going to give us, a, they gave us a show <laughs> once a week for an hour. After, mm-hmm. after the season. We did that, and we're like, it's just kind of get handcuffed with like how you can going talk, up, sure, going up you there. talk about. Podcast, you can do anything you want. Well, and then like we, they were like, hey, we want you to be more like Chiefs related, and we're like, well, we kind of have other things we want to talk about too. Like hey, we had Beasler on and talked about soccer. Right. Neither one of us have any idea what the hell yeah. going on with that. So we had him on, and like we were like, well, we like it, but they couldn't get us. Like, like for some reason, the sponsorship stuff, they were like, we're just going to do yeah. our own thing. So we I think up. they used to play Kevin's on there, too, because it was on H- WHB. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and there was once a week golf show, and then he just said, fuck it, let's just do our own. Yeah. So it's easier. Do our own. You, I mean, we've had Charles Barkley on. We've had Jim Rome. We've had, I mean, just a slew of different people. Yeah. And it's just... Bullshit. Yeah. We in fact we had Justin Reed on last week. He's a good dude. What a good dude he is. Yeah, yeah. He, is. he is. Really a good guy. He goes there and takes lessons. Oh, okay. So cool. that's our in with him. He is sweet. Yeah, the eight ten stuff, their communication is kinda ass over there. Mm-hmm. So we just plus I Does live Jed Boger still run it? Yeah, he still runs it. It's and honestly it's just easier because like I live right by Wolf Creek. I live in like the subdivision across the across one seventy fifth. So I, I mean, this is 10 minutes away instead but of we driving. we go at our own time. Mm-hmm. Just make sure it's out by the, you know, it's easier yeah. than having to be at the radio station from Wednesdays with youth baseball. Who else have football. you had on? We had Barry Rubin, uh, Hall of Fame. We had a strength coach for right. the Chiefs. We're just retired. He's one of our close buddies. Right. We had um, Steven. Mm-hmm. Steven was our first. Uh, we've done a couple, just us two, and we've, Come to find out that it's a lot harder to get Chiefs players that are really good friends of ours yeah. to agree to come on, and they're just like, "Oh, well, we have, we're supposed to have Clyde on." Didn't show uh, up. What thirty minutes before he's supposed to be? He's like, "Hey, I just woke up from a nap. Yeah. I'm not gonna make it." Well, we're we like, did. All right. We did. Justin, uh, oh God, he came on ours, and I think we did at eleven in the morning. And it was after a Monday night game. Or a Sunday night game. Yeah. It was the Jet game. Okay. So they got home at 3 in the morning or yep. something. Yeah. And he was there. He was there. Yeah, I think you have a little bit more. Well, we're, we're, was, I think he's got, I think the name, I think the name has got a little bit. No, fuck, I do. <laughs> I mean, they always say, hey, we're doing a podcast. We'd love it if you could make it. And so I always say, fuck, yeah. I'm more of the talent guy. I get the talent. I, I called up Barkley. I said, hey, Charles. You know, and for instance, this is when, you know, we were talking about something. I think there's a bounty on somebody, and and he said something about well you know what you he said I'd kill George Brett for a million dollars. What are you talking about? It was something like that, yeah. you know. But you, you can drop the f bomb anytime you want to. Oh, you don't and have that's to go, a, like when I was with you guys the other day. I said shit, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't say that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know? I mean, he said I said you bullshit. Said bullshit the other day. Like I think maybe the week before. Week before. Yeah. And we and, and Stephen loves it because he's you know he does his podcast sure. and swears and he came on here he's like hey can we cuss and I'm like yeah this isn't the radio you want so he was like he loved it because Mark I mean Mark was back there because it's like a twenty second delay right so he can click yeah. that stuff but 
We're like, hey, this is just cool. way easier to. So you're a big hunter and fisherman too, huh? Yep. Okay. Yep, I go down to La Roche's place a lot. Mm-hmm. You know Adam? Yeah. There's a place real close to where he, uh, just right down the road a little bit. It's down by the um, Amaretta. I think it's uh, Amaretta. Illigs, you know the Illigs at all? They own the soccer team. Mm-mm. They, they got the best freaking duck club in the world. Okay, so he's right off. You go to 320th Street and turn left. It's right by the power plant. Lacine? Yeah, it's right by that. And it is a swim. He has SEAL Team 6 coming in. They come in every year. Yeah, Adam does. Their, Adam does too. So shit. Nate knows him pretty well, right? Who? Nate, Katie? Knows who the SEAL Team no, the guys that own that. Illig, yeah. I'm yeah. sure he does because he does all the broadcasts. Yeah. Um, but it is the most unbelievable. You go there and you, they have their own pro shop. Yeah. I know exactly what Nate was telling me about it. Oh, Adam it? went up there because Adam does a lot of the vet hunts and stuff like that. So yeah. he was, he went up there to see the difference. And they have, obviously, you, I don't know so if you So you like been, duck hunting? Oh, yeah. I'll You've been down to there. La Roche's? Oh, yeah. I go whenever I want to. Yeah. I'm great friends with the Illig. But they, they had, he was like, this place is top of I mean, they do. So Adam, obviously, you know, you know how Adam is. He's just, his mission is the, the actual, like, quality time with these guys hanging out. Right. They'll go get Dixie plates. Well, this place is like, they fly in. If they got a company that comes in, they'll go get custom plates mm-hmm. with their logo and their name on the plate. Like, Where is it at, up north? No, it's south? just down, right down the road. Oh. 30 minutes from it's here? One hour, one hour from my house. And Mike, yeah, 30 minutes from here. Mike, one of the Illigs, he lives three blocks from me. So Yeah. Where do you live, on the plaza? I live in Mission Hills, right by, oh. uh, right by Kansas City Country Club. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So he just drives his golf cart to put yeah. it on. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, got a, I got lunch at noon. Yeah. All right. We got lunch at, we'll get you I got. Time. I do a Monday lunch group with these guys. I'm 70. I'm the youngest guy by eight years. <laughs> so there's guys in there. 88, 90 years old. Yeah. They've been meeting together. They've been meeting together for 50 years. Wow. And when somebody dies, they get somebody new. And I've been in this group for 15 years. Where do you guys go? Char- we used to go someplace different every month. Now we go to uh, Charleston's on uh, at State Line, at uh, that mall. Charleston's, what is that? Uh, 90, 95th and. By Oak Park Mall? No. The other mall. Uh, on uh, Ward Parkway. Oh, by the yeah, like a movie yeah. theater and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been to Charleston's. Never heard of it. Well, I'm not really. You, me and Sherman are just out south, and that's kind of the way. Well, we, that's what you do if you live out here. That's the way we roll. Yeah, you just stay out south. Yeah, everything's better out south. Yeah, depends. Well, very special guest today, <clears throat> Hall of Famer, best Kansas City Royals baseball player of all time, George Brett. Sherm, how cool is it that we got I mean, a, this, a living legend right here? Yeah, no, this is... Uh, Are you guys give gas mileage? Yeah, we can. I mean, whatever whatever you need. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll take care of you, I mean, for sure. No, <laughs> no, no one fine. else that comes on we're is fine. not, oh, God. That, that not was, getting that. You know what? It's been so long since I've been out south, out in this area. Yeah. And I was telling you before we went on the air, I was a member at Wolf Creek, which was, it's probably 40 minutes from my house. And the reason I quit is because it was 40 minutes from my house. Right. And I asked some guys today where Boo Cyrus was, and they say, oh, it's out by the old three and two. And thank God I 
The old three and two. Well, the three and two off K7 and, and Shawnee Mission Parkway. And I'm going, wait a second. So I just before I was driving down Shawnee Mission Parkway, I put in the address and it said, get on I-35 and go south. Yeah. I would have went straight west. No, I know where the three and two. I mean, yeah. I'm there almost every weekend for the boys' baseball tournaments and stuff. Yeah, we're not How anywhere. How brutal is that? that? We're, we're not anywhere close to that. Yeah, that exactly. At? Literally off of K7 and, and it's 87th. Yeah. If you go 87th oh, okay. on 435 and, yeah. and head west, yep. you can run into the east complex, but then also right. the west complex. Just keep going on that 87th. So let me tell you a funny story about going out there. I had three boys. I have three boys. Uh-huh. 30, 29, and 28 almost. Three different teams. 22 miles from my house. How, uh-huh. off, how many times do you think I was out there a week? Uh, I'm Seven probably, days a week. I was going to say probably every day. Seven days a week. <laughs> I mean, it was brutal. Yeah, I mean, you're trying. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna come up and say something. I was that, I was the assistant coach on all three teams, but when I was at a game, I was the head coach. And if we had a tournament, let's say we had a tournament, and it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament, and we had a ten o'clock game on Sunday, and if we win that game, we had another game at four o'clock that day. Oh yeah, I would throw the game. <laughs> I would throw it every time. <laughs> when your kid's eight years old, it's not about winning and well, losing. What do you think, what do you it's think about the, having fun. What do you think about the, the 8 o'clock baseball games? Oh, 8 o'clock at night? No, in the morning. Uh, we, we've had some of those. I would rather have an 8 in the morning because I'm an early riser yeah. than 8 o'clock at night on a well, school for, night. For on a set, school night oh, yeah, for no, a 13-year-old kid. We've done, I mean, we shoot, we're nine, and we've yeah. had a couple of those. How many more years are your kids going to play baseball? Uh, a lot, a lot. They yeah, like they, yeah. Both my boys love it. We're uh, are they good? Yeah, they're on the uh, the KC Scrappers. Okay, Rock Simpson is the. Uh, the is that coach. one of those special teams? It is, but we're, we're we're just uh, two two team uh, a nine U and a seven U baseball team right now. With both his boys and then both my boys play on yeah their teams. But yeah, uh, our older team is has been. You'll think this is funny. Has been kicked out of their age group. For winning, winning too much, yeah. So now U Triple S A play up one, we'll play it up two. So we're nine Triple A, but in Kansas there's no Triple A teams really. So they we have to play nine, uh, ten Double A. Let me ask you a question: Why don't they just play freaking Little League? Well, little League, you know what Little League baseball is? Yeah, you know what Little League baseball That's what is? I played. I played Little. I League. I played Little League. Why? Why? What is Ban Johnson? I don't get it. Play frickin' Little League. Well, they don't have a Little League team out well, here. Well, you, you start Little League. Who what? won Who won the three and two championship this year? And where was it at? The, Nobody knows. No, Nobody that's, knows. But that is technically, the three and two league is like the Little League. But you, you, you pitch from a stretch, you take leadoffs at eight years old. It's stupid. Yeah. Nine years old, it's a track meet. It's not a baseball game. I and agree. you play these coaches... And it's twelve to nothing in the third inning, and they're stealing bases on you. That's, stealing, that's you're Sherm's going, teams. coach. Let's go. No, that's what are you doing? No. Don't do Sherm's that. Sherm's almost gotten in like five fights at his oh, little league God. games. I mean, it's no. absolutely crazy. It's absolutely crazy. That's my one regret about living in Kansas City. I don't have many. Is that my kids didn't get a chance to play little league, and I watched the little league championship this year on TV every game. Uh, not every game, but every game, my hometown, El Segundo, California, they won it. Yeah. I know the head coach. I know the head coach's father. I don't know any of the kids. 
But they won the Little League World Series this year, and I watched every game. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, you got some pull around here. Let's uh, let's start. You, let's start a little league I program. I don't have any pull. I'd love to. I remember one year watching it, and there was a team from outside uh, outside Jefferson City, Web 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 City, Web City. They were in the college in the uh, Little League World Series, and we we'll never go to the Little League World Series because we play fricking three and two, which I don't even know what that is. So and they don't play American Legion; they play Ban Johnson. And, I don't know, you know what that is. Yeah, that's that's what uh, the Babe Ruth League. That's like oh, thirteen even... to fifteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, thirteen no. to fifteen. They have the Babe Ruth World Series. I've never heard of the Ban Johnson World Series. Well, I mean, I mean, come on. Let's sounds like a lot of bullshit talk, going so on. So our in our our baseball team is we we've contemplated having a, a like a little league organization set up because I think you can essentially just with little league you can just make boundaries and, and classify yourself as little league. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's as simple as it is, but it, what it is, it's three and two is a, a, it's its own. So you triple SA and perfect game, which you probably right. know of I are know. both I've two organizations. The three and two is it's a, its own league. So they just have the complex that you triple SA uses for all their, their tournaments. Uh, Blue Valley rec is a rec league. That right. is, is the same. They just not classified as little league. So if Blue Valley decided that they wanted to be the Little League organization, they could. They would just have to classify themselves sure, as Little League. Sure, they would just have to say we're playing Little League and playing Little League rules. Yes, and that's and that and I mean that's essentially what could happen if one of these organizations wanted if, to if, do if it. If they just said we want to try to yeah. get to Williamsport, is there not yes. a Little League at a Heritage? No, it's all it's all these all these fields are all like it's either you can be Olathe Rec, you could be Blue Valley Rec, you could be three and two league, which is and its, it's own. Just the rules are the only thing that's probably different. Yeah, yeah. So like for us, we we played kid pitch at eight years old last year because we got kicked out of the machine pitch, and like he, like you said, it was a walk. You get on first, steal, steal second, steal third, pass ball. You steal home, right? Another and wall. it was and it was just it was just a constant a circus. Well, it was a we went up to Iowa and played two tournaments, which I'm not. I, these these were very similar to the. You couldn't steal the base until the ball crossed the plate, mm-hmm. which is, a, and then yeah. they shut down home plate, which is really cool. So you could, you know, if you did have a kid that was really fast, he could steal second, steal third, whatever. And you didn't really have that. You had to hit your kids around, but on a pass ball at home, you could not. You could not steal. You could not take the base. Okay. So you had, you know, you could get a kid on third, but now if you now couldn't you hit, hit him in. if you couldn't hit, you, the guy's going to st- be stuck on third and the three outs and you're done. So like we went up to Iowa and played two tournaments last year and they have it, they have it figured out with that. It was eight, eight U kid pitch. It was well done. I think there's a lot of things that I think some people around here could definitely look into different rules for the right. youth ages because We've talked about it before. It, it does become a circus with with kids just running around, and and no kid at eight or nine years old can really probably throw. And we've got a couple of catchers that are pretty decent, but like throw it a second, throw it down from behind the plate to second base, and, and really, real realistically, get an out. Like, well, the the it starts with the pitcher. The pitcher's got to be able to throw a strike. Yep. Then the catcher has to catch it, and then he has to throw it to second, and then your shortstop or second baseman has to catch it, and he has to tag somebody. Right. And when you're eight years old, that doesn't happen very much. No. I remember the not. first time I think the kids were eight years old or nine years old, and they're playing, and, and I didn't even let our team throw the ball around. 
after an out, right? Because they couldn't do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, we still don't do it. Yeah. So, yeah no. We would. We would practice. Just get it back to the. We practiced it. it. We practiced it, and I said, okay, if the guy makes an out, the first time a guy makes an out, throw it around, and if we drop it or we make a bad throw, we're not doing it the rest of the game. Yeah, we we, yeah, we had a couple that we tried. We were practicing, practicing, and the catcher we you know throw a strikeout. Catcher looks down, and the third baseman's fixing the dirt, yeah. and we're like, just get it back to the pitcher. Yeah. Just get it back. Oh, wow. we're not there yet. When you look at today's game of baseball, then since you're talking about youth sports and how it's different from kind of, I mean, even when I was I played a little league, Sherm did. I think the past twenty years it's changed so much in youth sports. How has the game changed? Uh, in the major leagues since you played, really since the last 15, 20 years? Well, when I played, I mean, these guys are better than we were. Right. You know, I think we were better than the guys that played in the 40s. I think the guys in the 40s were better than the guys that played in the 20s, you know. But, but I think they're bigger, stronger, faster. They're in better shape. They eat better. They sleep better. Uh, they have nutritionalists, they have stretch coaches, they have all the facilities. We never worked out. Right. Spring training was to get in shape when I played. Mm-hmm. There was a guy that played third base for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Richie Hebner. I don't know if you remember that name. His father or his family from Boston area, from Massachusetts, uh, they owned a graveyard. And Richie in the offseason would dig graves. And they asked Richie one year in spring training, you know, you're in pretty good shape. He said, hell, I buried guys in better shape than I'm in, you know. But that's what spring training was for. Right. Back when I played, I remember I bought a home in Blue Springs, my first home I ever bought. And uh, I think the minimum salary then was fourteen or $15,000. And if you had a wife and a couple kids, which this guy did, he uh, season was over, he'd go out and get a job. Well, my parents sent me something from Southern California, and Roger Nelson, my old teammate, dropped it off. Or my teammate Mm -hmm. dropped it off at my house. He was driving for UPS. I bought my first house from a realtor named Paul Splitorf. I bought it a week after the season ended. Yeah. Season's over. He's he's selling real estate. Yes. You know, so nowadays, and, and, and we went to spring training to get in shape. Uh, because everybody had to support their family. Freddie Potek used to sell cars. Uh, I don't know what other guys did. I didn't really have to because I was single. And, you know, you go back to 1973, 1974, you're making 14000 15000 a year. That was a lot of money. I didn't have to, you know, right. do anything. 1975, bought my first house. And, um, and uh, but it was, spring training was to get in shape. These guys stay in shape year-round now. I mean, I saw your workout room below here. Every facility has indoor cages now. Every facility has workout rooms. Every facility has strength and conditioning coaches, shrinks. They have dietitians. Uh, but I don't think, I think the game of baseball now, you used to pride yourself on your batting average. Right. That was the big thing, your batting. That's all anybody talked about, yeah. batting average. Um, I think there was eight guys in all of Major League Baseball this year hit over 300, mm-hmm. which is embarrassing. Right. Strikeouts, you wanted to commit suicide. When you struck out, I was so pissed. And I see guys strike out three times in a row, and they walk back in the dugout, and they take their helmet off. Smile, smiling and Take laughing. off their gloves off, put them in their helmet, put their bat in the rack, and go sit down. 
if I struck out twice in a game, everybody would leave the tunnel. <laughs> you know, there would be yeah. helmets flying, and, and you're wearing metal spikes on cement, and you throw your helmet, and then you get, then you slip and fall. And then you really get pissed. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I then you get that. up, and you throw it harder, you fall down again. Now you're really fucking fuck? pissed. You, you want to kill somebody. <laughs> But I feel like that's that's kind of like that. In, but it, it's in it's just too. it's just crazy. It's just crazy that to me, batting average was everything. You know, now it's all OPS and and WAR and exit velocity and launch angle and and you know, you I I, I really have a tough time following the game unless it's the Royals. I'll watch some of the playoff games, but, you know, I have the MLB app on my iPad. And I can watch a condensed version of a baseball game in eight minutes and see everything you need to know. Yeah. And then if I really want to throw up as I'm drinking my coffee in the morning, I'll look and watch all the strikeouts because it'll say, Verlander strikes out 11. Right. So you can watch all 11 strikeouts, you know. And that's what I throw up Yeah. when I watch these guys strike out and and – but it's it's a frustrating game. I love the change of twenty second time clock. Mm-hmm. Speeds it up a little I bit. I yeah. love that. It's easy to I love that, now. and I think people like it. I yeah. think the the majority of fans like it, and I think the casual fan likes it. Maybe the hardcore diehard fan, you know, he doesn't mind it. You know, the longer yeah. games. But if you're going to try to try to um, they need to make it more attractive for get, the viewers. Get yeah. more people that aren't really into baseball. If they want to really draw them in, mm-hmm. they got to get rid of some of the dead time. And right. I and I like some of the things like that. Yeah, you can't but, take your eyes off the game though. If well, you look down at your phone for a second, you're going to miss a pitch yeah. or two. And I, well, I feel like that's and that's the big thing that the MLB is is probably trying to fix is like you know the NFL. Like you can watch it doesn't you doesn't have to be the Chiefs. You can watch any game in the NFL and you're into it. Channel. Well, I'm just saying if you're into the if you're into football, where mm-hmm. baseball, it's like you're gonna watch your team and if yeah. they're not playing, you're probably not gonna flip a game on. Yeah. I'm not gonna watch Cleveland and uh Cleveland and uh, Milwaukee play. But if it I'm, speeds I'm the game up, you might throw it on for a couple innings just to see what's going on if there's nothing else on. I think that's where the MLB is having that those issues where they're trying to get more viewership in the younger crowd and, yeah. and, and make well, it more... That's what they're trying to do, get the yeah. younger crowd mm-hmm. involved. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the younger kids are starting to play soccer. Right. And and they're starting to play other things. Lacrosse, I think, is getting real big, and, and it's taken away from baseball. Taken yeah. away. So you got to get these guys out there. I mean, you, you, if I was the Royals, I would do more promotions, try to get kids out there. Right. I, would, I would do dollar hot dog nights three days a week. Yep. Get them out there. Let them know... Show them a good time. Yep. Show them a good time, and then they'll say to their dad, "Hey, let's go watch the Royals." You know, I want right. I want a hot dog. Yeah, so <laughs> rather both, than I, I want to yeah. watch the game, I want a hot yeah. dog. Both both my boys are, are really into baseball. Well, one, you got a haul. How many games do you go to a year? Uh, not, Royal games, maybe one, maybe one. And, it, and the reason is is well, we've got up, you got these other sports that they're. I mean, they're both playing football and that kind of stuff. But I, my middle son, my my second son, my middle child. He is based like he loves football, but like if if you had to, if he had to pick between the two, he would pick baseball well any day of the week, and he would go to a baseball game and sit there and not the other one kind of gets antsy and he's like, all right, I'm I'm done at you know five yeah. innings. Right. The other one will sit there and watch. You can make it five innings though. That's pretty good. 
Oh yeah, I mean they love. I mean we're at the we were at the baseball field last night. I mean yesterday afternoon for the second half of the tournament. We played Friday night. Played uh, six thirty and eight, which is eight to nine forty five, and then Saturday off, and then Sunday would for two right games. Yeah. You're talking about batting average, the Mendoza line. I saw a story yeah. that you made that up. Tell, no, you know I, what that I, is? I, I didn't make it up. Um, somebody had mentioned it to me. Chris Berman's a good friend, and he and I used to hang out a lot together during All-Star games or whenever we would, ESPN was doing one of our games and, and we were together. But we would always hang out together, and we were in Cincinnati, I think, at an All-Star game one year, and and uh, he comes up to me and says, uh, what are we doing after the game? I was shaving in the locker room. And, and uh, I said, I don't know. Let's just go out. And it was smoking hot, smoking hot. So we went out and we had some beers. And I brought up the Mendoza line. And he goes, what's that? And I said, well, that's Mario Mendoza, uh, the guy that hits 200 every year for the, uh, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Good shortstop. And so he thought that was the funniest thing that that was named after him. Well, I didn't make it up, but he had never heard it before. I was the one that told him, so he gives me credit for the Mendoza line. And if you're a baseball player, believe me, you don't want to be There's at the Mendoza line. There's a lot. But there are a lot fans. of players at the Mendoza. There was a guy, uh, what's his name, uh, Scharberger or whatever. Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber. He hit 180? Yeah, and like 47 home runs. 170 with 47 home runs. Yeah. Would that be acceptable in, in your age, in the 70s, 80s? Well, they had a guy, Dave Kingman. Dave Kingman would be 210, 45 home runs, and strike out 250 times. Right. But I mean, that's, that's, you knew that's what you were getting, and yeah. there was one guy in the whole league doing that. I think uh, the Dodgers have a guy, Muncie, who hit under 200. Mm-hmm. With like 30 home runs or 35 I mean, home runs. And Carlos Stanton every year, too. Yeah. I mean, and Carlos Stanton used to be a good hitter. Yeah. I mean, he used to hit 300, I think. You think that's a, and you think that's a mental approach for those guys? Is it physical it's, things? It's, it's acceptable. Say? It's acceptable. And, and it really wasn't acceptable back in the day. You would get tossed back in the minors? Well, or? unless you're Dave Kingman. Okay. But there were a lot of guys, if you're hitting 200, you're not going to have a chance to stay at the major league level. Right. Unless you, you're you hitting with 40 at-bats, you got 10 home runs and you're hitting 200. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it just kind of evolved over time with Dave Kingman. The more home runs he hit, everybody said, well, he's hitting 40 home runs. We got to keep him. Selling tickets. You know? Yeah. Well, with with that being said, when did when in your career did you know that the MLB was going to be a thing, Major League Baseball, or when did when did you start getting that that pub that like, hey, you're good enough to be there or play there? It was uh, well, I played uh, I played two years in the minors, two and a half years in the minors, and never hit 300, and I got called up to the big leagues. Um, hardly played at all. I think I had 40 at bats. I hit 125. Next year, I go to spring training. Uh, last player cut, go to go down to Omaha. There are two weeks. They trade the third baseman, Paul Shaw. They give me a chance. I'm hitting 200 at the All-Star break. Um, Charlie Lau gets a hold of me, changed a few things. And uh, I'll never forget this. He said, okay, our goal is to get to 250 by the end of the season. And we hit extra every day at 3 o'clock on the road, 4 o'clock at home. And uh, some days might have been... 20 minutes. Some days might have been for two minutes, just trying to figure out what the hell happened in one day. Yeah. 
and um, and uh, got it to two ninety two. Oh no, no, I'll never forget coming back in to the dugout one time about a month and a half later, and there's probably a month and a half to go in the season, and I'm on fire. I'm just I'm getting two or three hits every game to get your average up there. And I'll never forget coming into the dugout, and I said, Charlie, we're at two fifty. We made it to two fifty. He said, so what? Let's get to 260. I said, yeah, but you said our goal was 250. He, he said, no, 260. I got to 260, 270, 280, 292 with four games to go. They fired him, and I went one for 11 the rest of the year and ended up hitting 282. And I thought I made a lot of progress, but did I really believe that I belonged and that I was good? No. So the next year, I went out and hit 308. That's when I finally realized it took me 700 at-bats maybe to figure out that I belonged. I belonged in the big leagues. And when you win a batting championship at age 23, you feel yeah. like you belong. Yeah. You know? But it was, uh, it was but the first year I hit 308. Uh, I think that was 1975. I hit 308. And Hal McCray came up, and one of my teammates who – one of the best teammates I ever had and one of my closest friends on the team that I had came up to me at the end of the year and he said, you're screwed. And I said, what do you mean? He said, God, you're 22 years old. You just hit 300. They're going to expect that every year. And I said, hell, Mac, I expect it now. Right. You know, once you do something, you expect to be able to do it again yep. and get better with age. And that's what I was able to do. I got better up until I was, uh, I'd say, 32 uh, 32 years old, 53, 85, yeah, 32 years old. Uh, I mean, I was getting better every year. And then after 32, 33, kind of plateaued. And then at 37, 38, 39, you start yeah. <laughs> losing a little bit, you know? Yeah. You start losing it a little bit. You lose that quickness. You lose that, just that, God, that half second or tenth of a second on a high fastball. The guy's throwing 95 miles an hour. And you used to crush that pitch. Now you're fouling it off, yeah. and you feel it. And you, you really yeah, you feel know it. you're just. And a, then and then you start cheating a little bit. And then when you start cheating, they start throwing your curveballs and changeups, and yeah. you're out in front of those. So the last two or three years were really no, the last two years. I won a batting championship at 37, but um, but uh, at when I was 38, 39, yeah, the last three years it was uh, the game was real hard. What were some of the things that you would work on in that 20 minute? After practice type deal. Well, it was never after uh, after or be practice or before before, uh, the, before game, the game. It yeah. was just making sure. And in, in baseball, you you go out if you don't take early batting practice, and we never had cages and underneath right behind the dugout uh, like they do now. The Royals have three cages, right? Three cages, so you can go in there and swing right before the game, and you can between at bats go in there and swing if you want to. Right. So. Um, uh, I would go out and take early batting practice every day because once you got, if you didn't take early batting practice, let's say you get to the ballpark at, at six o'clock, you get there at four o'clock and or five o'clock, you take the bus and the team say we're playing in New York and batting practice is from six o'clock to six forty on the field, and you're in group one. So you go in there and you, the first round you take you do two bunts, a hit and run, get them over and five swings. The next round, five swings. The next round, five swings. Next round, four swings, maybe two, and then one. That's it. Well, I never wanted to just take regular batting practice and be searching 
the whole time for my swing. Right. So all that was the early batting practice was, okay, everything feels great. Oh my God, everything feels great. Now, when I took regular batting practice, I wasn't working on anything. I was just kind of getting the swing, go ahead yeah. and go ahead and, and getting that same feeling. Without Whereas before, I mean, if you're sitting there and you can't get a ball out of the cage and you're rolling over balls and you're, God, you only have 15 swings. I wanted to make sure those 15 swings right before the game I was swinging the bat good. Right. So that's the reason sometimes it took 10 minutes. Sometimes it might be maybe only five right. of extra batting practice. You know, just to, so when I entered the game, I, w- I had the feeling that I was locked. I was locked in. Yeah. I was locked in. Now, what was so. your mindset like when you went up to the plate? Were you just like a like See and hit? grip and rip? Or? Uh, no, God, no, 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 no. I, I would always tell myself that this guy on the mound doesn't want to face me. He does not want to see me up here. Yeah, I love that. You know? That's how I feel with Sherm. <laughs> what? Just in general, just in life, he doesn't want to. I always tell him I'd whoop his ass, and he's he never takes I don't the think, challenge. I, I don't uh, think you could whip his ass. I'd whoop no. his ass. I yeah. don't think so. No, but that was my mindset, that I was better than the pitcher. And then, let's say, uh, uh, when I first came up, it, it was it was obviously you don't have a lot of confidence in your ability. It's like anything, you know? And you have to have some success before you really start believing in your ability. Uh, I'd be on the on-deck circle, and they'd bring in, uh, say the Yankees were playing the Yankees, and they had a reliever named Sparky Lyle. And I'm on the on-deck circle, and he's warming up in the bullpen, and I'd say, God, I hope they don't bring him in to face me. Mm-hmm. I've already made it out. Right. And it wasn't until I started to have some success, and I said, you know what? He's gotten me out in the past, but I'm going to get his ass tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get his ass today. And at least I put myself in a position to succeed mentally. Mm-hmm. Drive into the ballpark. If you say, you know, you're listening to the broadcast on, on the radio and they go, yeah, the Royals game tonight, you got Dennis Leonard versus Ron Guidry. And if I said, oh, God, Ron Guidry's pitching, God. I, now, I would yeah. say to myself, okay, he's gotten me out in the past, but I'm going to get his ass tonight. Yeah. I'm going to get his ass tonight. Yeah. I, I just tried to put myself mentally in a position to succeed yeah and that's yeah, all sure. it was and sometimes you're lying to yourself I, you gotta lie that's but you I, gotta put yourself in the right mental frame to succeed yeah because if you don't you, you're not going to yeah i remember watching a guy we had a guy on our team buddy bianca lana who was a mendoza guy mm-hmm. mendoza line guy he was on david letterman in 1985 because he hit like 190 and we won the World Series in 85. And so he goes on, David Letterman, he got a couple big hits in the World Series against the Cardinals. And uh, I remember uh, a game that year, there was one out in the ninth inning, we're down by a run or something, and Buddy's on the on-deck circle, and the guy makes it out, and he starts walking to the plate, and he turns around and looks at the dugout. You want me to hit? You're not going to pinch hit for me? Guess yeah, that's what? That's not a good approach. No, that's not a good approach. And if I was the manager and he did that, I would have got Brett Saberhagen or Mark Gubazaw, mm-hmm. or I would pinch hit a pitcher. <laughs> just to make a hey, point. You, yeah, just to make a point. Yeah. Just to make a point. Yeah, that's yeah. why I think I could whoop Sherm's ass. I got the confidence to do it. Yeah. My mindset's always the right way. Okay. If it yeah. doesn't well, happen. Well, if you guys are, if you guys are going to fight, let me know. I'll drive out here and watch it. All right. <laughs> we'll I'd watch that. Perfect. We'll set it up. Perfect. We got the people want they want to watch. You talk about the World Series, 85. 
Royals win it again 30 years later. What are the differences, similarities between the teams? What was that experience like winning a world championship? Um, they had they had a lot better bullpen. I think in uh, 2015, the Royals started this in 14 and 15, where they just yep. loaded up the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had four closers. If they yeah. were winning at the end of five innings, the game is over. They changed the game. Changed the whole yeah. game. Changed the whole game. Um, uh, their team was a lot like ours. They had great speed, good defense. In 1985, we had great speed. We had great defense. Uh, we hit the ball the other way. That team hit the ball the other way. They didn't strike out. They were the hardest team to strike out in Major League Baseball. They struck out the least of any team in 2015. And I don't think we struck out that much in 1985. You know, but we put the ball in play. We had good defense. Our bullpen was was decent. We had one guy out there, basically, Dan Quisenberry, who, you know, threw 88 miles, 85 miles an hour, but threw from down here, and the ball would do all that. And for some reason, all left-handers wanted to pull him. And I faced Dan Quisenberry one time. He got uh, released by the Royals, and he signed with uh, St. Louis. We're playing him in spring training in, um, God, in Baseball City in Orla- outside Orlando. And I've seen Greg Nettles, and I've seen every left-hander try to pull the ball, and all they do is hit a ground ball to the second baseman. Right. And, and Charlie Lau always told me, if the guy's got a good sinker, you know, move up on the plate a little bit and just think a second baseman over to left field because the ball's going to be going away and just try to hit a line drive up the middle or left center field. So sure enough, I'm facing Dan Quisenberry. I moved up about two inches on the plate. Second pitch he threw me. I hit a line drive double in the left center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just from watching, listening to Charlie, but watching all these good left-hand hitters just keep pounding the ball to the second baseman. Yeah. You know. No, for sure. You got to go with it sometimes. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with hitting the ball the opposite way. No, I was just telling Nothing him. wrong with it. And I think that's the problem with so many hitters today. They refuse to do it. Especially now that they got rid of the shift. In yeah, did you like that? Uh, the shift? Yeah. God, I wish they would have put the shift on me. I would have hit 500. Because yeah. I could hit a ground ball to shortstop wherever right. I wanted. Yeah, and that's, and that's why I was like, I've always, when I'm watching that, I'm like, why don't the guy just try to tap it out there? I mean, yeah. I granted it's not, I'm sitting there on the couch not trying to hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, but I'm just in the thought of like, just, there's no one there, just, Exactly. If anything, just lay a bunt down well, to the hey, left side or something. Here's a problem, too. I think if you go back and you watch films of old-time baseball back in the 70s and 80s, everybody stood off the plate. And, they, and so you could hit the ball in the inside corner that way. Right. Now everybody stands on the plate. Yep. And they can't hit a ball in the inside corner. They can't get inside it. And I remember in 2013 when I took over the hitting coach job for the Royals, I said, I'll do it for a month. I did it for two. And when I took over, Mike Moustakos was hitting 183, I think. And Hosmer was struggling. And I asked Mike one time, I said, Mike, here's what I would do if I was you. And, and I would back off the plate a little bit. And all you got to do is hit a line drive or a ground ball to shortstop. And it's a base hit. And, and once you show the other team you can do that, then get back up on the plate and start pulling. He said, no, fuck you. I'm hitting it through the shift. Yeah, that Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I would have uh, a little bit better coaching, a little bit be more coachable when you've got a Hall of Famer well, who's done it before. 
Baseball players are weird. I mean, I don't know. I just, I didn't know. Like, if, if some fullback came in that was a Hall of Famer and was like, hey, this is what I would do, I would have been like, I'll try it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, try hey, it. Yeah, hey, try why it. not? See how, how it goes. It. If you didn't play, it would be a different story. But, like, G. Lou, receiver coach for the Chiefs for a while, he played 10 years for Coach Reed, played receiver. So anything he said to me, I would do exactly what he said. I'm like, all right, this guy played for 10 years. Uh, obviously, he knows what he's talking about. Like you just said, like e, if EB gives you a running back tip, you're not going to not listen to it. You're going to do yeah. exactly what he says because he knows what he's I talking about. I know who yeah. EB is, Eric Bieniemy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Played at Colorado. Yep. I remember him when he played at Colorado. He was really good. He was a beast. He was, a he was really good. They, sh- they show us uh, every, every Saturday we would have like a f- – we would go over our kind of just like the every week we had run the same kind of like situational football meeting. So it's like an hour straight of two minute uh, end of game end of half situations. But like at, right at the end, we had a coach that would make uh, cut ups of those situations, either the week before or uh, college or high school situations that week that were actually like shown in the game. And they they actually did what we were talking about. And then he would pull up clips from coaches, players. Uh, anybody in the room, he would pull up some random old school high clips. school so or like college. He, they always would pull up EB's clips and everybody would go, go crazy because he's running guys over, sprinting 100 miles an hour. It's like you have to show so much respect to those guys once you show the clips because they've yeah. been there, done that. Yeah. One of the greatest photos I've ever, greatest clips I've ever seen is Andy Reid at the punt pass kick oh, yeah. at the L.A. Coliseum as a 12-year-old. Yep. That's one of the funniest pictures. They show that you once will a year. ever ever oh, yeah. ever see in your life well, i guess he says now that his defense is that those <laughs> that he kids, was huge <laughs> that he was older but the kids behind him weren't the same age <clears throat> there was different age groups out there that's what yeah, he, that's, well, his, that's what why he says. would you put a 12 year old next to the six-year-olds <laughs> yeah i don't know you know you don't you think it'd be 12 11 10 9 8 think, 7 he was just a big man he knew what he was doing i so. won the punt passing kick three years in a row at el segundo when i was a kid really yeah they don't do that anymore, do they? I don't think I, so. I don't know if they do or not. I know they do it. I like. I know the NFL does it, but I think it's not like I remember doing it. Too. Like even what twenty five years ago, I remember doing it, but I don't think it's like. Oh, that I don't. Yet. I didn't do that because your your kids play the travel football. They don't play a little league. I don't play Pop Warner. I'm, yeah, we do. We're in Pop Warner. I thought you played. I thought you travel around. No, we're in Pop Warner. I mean, it, it's where do they play here? Heritage Park. No, they don't play there. There's a ball carry restriction on who can carry the ball uh-huh so my son's one of the bigger kids yeah and he's a pretty good athlete so i'm we wanted to go pop warner has now there's the two two leagues that you can join for pop warner is it weight restriction and then unlimited uh, and right. off of age so we've joined the age and we're actually we're gonna go up to michigan city uh michigan city illinois or indiana 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 for uh really? regionals Oh, but wow. I got to talk to you off for, the air uh, for that one. I get, for, uh, get you mentally prepared. I'll tell you a funny story. My middle son, Dylan, he was the first one to play tackle football. and He's got the football mentality. And so he was like nine years old. He had an eight o'clock game out here at Heritage. Uh-huh. And the coach says, I want you there at seven o'clock. All the players there at seven. So I'm really prompt. Mm-hmm. I get there about 645 or like one of the first I love ones. That. Yep, yep, me first too. ones in the park. I don't want to be late. Don't want to be late. And I didn't know the coach that well. So, you know, just I took him to practice and didn't really, I'd watch practice, never would say, hey, coach, why don't we do this? And I was a pretty good high school football player. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and so I get there and 
next thing you know, a couple of guys come in and, and uh, they're in uniform and I see a guy standing over there by himself. So I go up, I think that's one of his kids out there in the same uniform as mine. So I go, is your son on the team? He goes, no. And I said, so if your son's not on the team, would you, you drive somebody else out here? He goes, no. And I go, well, what are you doing out here at like 8.15? He said, my daughter's a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll be you someday, Sean. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? And, and there was... No cheerleaders right. there yet, but the same thing. Okay, we got to get these eight-year-olds out here to yep. cheer, and you know. <laughs> I hope I don't. Fall I thought in that, that was the funniest freaking thing I've ever heard. Oh in my yeah, life. no, I mean my my I had four younger sisters, so I, you know I obviously played football and baseball my whole life, and my dad would go to you know grandparents everything, and then once <laughs> I went on to college, well I had four younger sisters, and they all did cheerleading. Mm -hmm. So my dad was at all the games, yeah. but he was there for the cheerleader, <laughs> not the football player anymore. Um, no, my daughter, my, no, Remy's not going to be a cheerleader. She's, she's softball player, volleyball, soccer. She wants to though. She, she won't. She, she wants to play flag football. Now, how old is she? She's five. She wants to play flag football. Well, that's what um, happens when you grow up with the, the older bros. Yep. A couple of the boys. Yep. Being a Yankees fan, I got to ask about oh. the Got to ask about the Pine Tar. Got to ask about the Yankee days. Who are the toughest players on the Yanks? And pitching-wise, who are, who are some of your hardest matchups? You know, I always say when people ask me now, who are the toughest pitchers you ever faced, I always say nobody. I always do. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the Yankees, God, Guidry – Probably had as good a stuff as anybody I'd ever seen. And I did. I remember after the 80 season, he had a really good year. I had a good year. And I hit 390. And I think he was 27 and three or something, 25 and three. And somebody asked me at the end of the season, who was the best pitcher you faced this year? And I said, Ron Guidry. And they asked Ron Guidry, who was the toughest out? Mm -hmm. And he said, me. So it was. That was Mutual good. respect. Yeah, yeah. It, it was good. Um, Sparky Lyle, pitcher, their closer, was really, really good. Um, the guys that, you know, they had, God, who were the Yank, good Yankee pitchers? Pitcher, Catfish Hunter, I hit pretty good. Um, but the guys that I didn't like facing were guys like Tommy John. Mm -hmm. You remember him? Yeah. Um, probably through 85 miles an hour. Couldn't throw a straight ball. Threw big curveball, big sinker, you know. I think he used sandpaper occasionally to scuff up the ball. I'm not sure, but his ball sure ran a lot. But, I mean, the, the, a lot of teams had those back then. But there isn't one pitcher that really stands out, with the exception of Sparky Lyle, that really intimidated me right. in, in a Yankee uniform. Um just playing baseball in Yankee Stadium was, I mean, it was, after the 76 season, when we took them to five games of the playoffs, I mean, we had a pretty good rivalry after right. that. And it seemed like every time we played in Yankee Stadium from 76 on till, you know, probably 83 or something, I mean, it was sold out. Mm -hmm. And they hated the Royals and we hated them. So it had always made those games so much more fun. Every time the Yankees came here, it was sold out, you know, and 
I don't know if it was the difference of, you know, Kansas City, in my opinion, is so proud. St. Louis wants to be a big New York City type city. Kansas City is very happy being a cow town, a small Midwestern town. We don't try to compete with Chicago's and New York's and and L.A.'s and San Francisco's and, and places like that. Dallas, I think, uh, we're very happy just being a sleepy little friendly town in the Midwest. And it was su- such a contrast between us and the Yankees. And, you know, them with all the free agents, and we never got free agents. Right. We would always rate higher within and draft people, bring them up, Willie Wilson, Clint Hurdle, Jamie Cork, myself, and we all, Dennis Leonard, Mark Gubazov, Brett Saberhagen. You know, we yeah. didn't do free agents. Yeah. And every year, whatever they needed, they would just go out and buy the best player available. Yeah. And rebuild, restock, and stuff like that. And uh, it wasn't like back then in those days that if you signed a big free agent or you lost a free agent, uh, you got compensation. There was no compensation. Right. So, you know, they would obviously had the highest payroll. And uh, we didn't, and it was always, we played them in 76, 77, 78, lost in the final game in 76, 77, lost in the final game, 78, lost in four, and then 80, we swept them. And when you sweep a team that's beat you three straight years, um, you feel like you won the World Series. Right, yeah. But we didn't win the World Series. Mm -hmm. We just won the American League. And, and... We, I mean, the Phillies were good. They were a really good team, but we we were leading two or three runs in game one and lost it. Two or three runs in game two, lost it. And then won game three and four and then lost five and six. But uh, we were a better team uh, than we were in 70. 77 might have been our best team. We had won 102, lost 60. But uh, in 1980, we had a great, great, great ball club, and we just came up short. Yeah, I think one of the all-time clips is you running out of the dugout after the pine tar incident. What was going through your head when they? Well, you they know, did it's that? crazy. It's crazy. Goose Gossage was pitching, and I hit a home run off Goose in the '80 playoffs. To we were down two to one, I think, in the eighth inning, and I hit a three-run homer in the upper deck to to win that game, the final game of the playoffs. And uh, I don't remember doing anything off him in 81. I don't remember doing anything special in 82. And then in 83, they bring him in to face me in a game in July and uh, uh, hit a home run off him to win the game. And, you know, I'm going, God, that's great. I hit another home run off Goose Gossage. Hall of Fame closer and, and uh, just the fiercest competitor mm-hmm. you'll ever, ever see in your life. And uh, sitting in the dugout, and I'm all happy. And Frank White looks at me, and he says, "George, I think I think they're going to call you out for using too much pine tar." I've gone, I never heard of that rule, Frank. And the next thing you know, Tim McClellan, the umpire, after a five or seven minute discussion with other umpires, he comes over, he measures my bat on the ground, and I'm going, "Well, what's he doing that for?" Well, there's a rule that you can't have pine tar more than 18 inches up from the Handle your bat. Yep. And the trademark, uh, the my Louisville slugger is like 16. Mm-hmm. Well, I was five inches over that. So I my pine tar was up 23 inches. I knew nothing about this stupid-ass rule. And sure enough, he lays that thing down. He measures it, and he's going, God, that's 23 inches. I think we got to get call him out. Other umpires agree. And, man, he looks at me. He's, 
turns around, he looks at the dugout, he's going, where is he? Where is he? And he points at me, and he goes like, I am out. And I'm going, you gotta be shitting. And I didn't even know I ran out that fast <laughs> until I saw it on video. You know, I never, yeah. never even knew that I was doing half the shit I was doing. But what really makes it bad is uh, Joe Brinkman, one of the umpires who was standing right there, as I'm, come, I'm running out there full speed, and I get right up to McClellan, and I'm, I'm not going to hit the guy. He's six foot five, 250. He's got shin guards on. He's got a mask in one hand and a bat in the other. And I know yeah. if you hit an umpire, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're done. I'm not going to hit an umpire after playing in the big leagues 10 years because I know, I know better. But I'm going to give him a piece of my mind like Earl Weaver or Tommy Lasorda or Whitey Herzog or whatever because you can get in their face pretty good. You just can't yep. touch them. Yep. And I'm going like this, and then Joe Brinkman grabs me from behind, and he starts dragging me. He's got me in a chokehold, and he's just dragging me away from him. And that's what makes it that, – that's when, when I really go crazy. Right. I don't know who's got me. I'm just trying to get, get free. Yeah. And um, finally, he lets me go, and uh, some of my teammates just kind of stand around me and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was a crazy day. Um, they, uh, John Scherholz, our general manager, wrote a letter, he and Dean Taylor, to Lee McPhail, the president of the American League, protesting. Lee McPhail looks at all the evidence and says, okay, the home run stands. So about a month later, we're, I'm kicked out of the game, obviously. We're flying on our way to, up to Baltimore. We have to stop and finish the game from that point on. Well, since I'm kicked out of the game and all this crap's going on in the courts and, and stuff because they're saying it's illegal to play the game, uh, you know, because there won't be any security at the stadium and people that had tickets want to come back in, but they're not going to open the, you know. There was all this stuff going on, and uh, the next thing you know, uh, <clears throat> that morning, the judge says, no, they're playing baseball, open the stadiums, anybody can come in if they have a ticket from that game. I think about 1,000 people were there. I didn't go. I didn't even go to the game. Uh, I went out and had dinner, uh, or a quick snack at some Italian restaurant right by LaGuardia where we stayed, where the plane stayed. So these guys have to get off the plane, jump on a bus, go there. Hal McRae's up next. He hits a ground ball. Quisenberry comes in, he throws five pitches, game's over. Then they got to go go in, shower, yeah. drive back to the airport, and then we flew to uh, Baltimore and we ended up winning the ball game. But it was crazy. Hey. It's kind of glad I didn't have to go. Was that the yeah, craziest that was... moment of your career? <clears throat> Pine tar incident? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I would have to say. <clears throat> I'd have to say that. Any other big, it's, big, it's, big uh, fights? Uh, I had a good fight one time. Uh, I started two. Uh, only started two fights. Uh, we were playing in Detroit. Milt Wilcox was pitching. And I hit a three-run home run off him in my first at-bat. And the next time I came up, Manny threw one behind my head, which I... I, I you get it. You understand. I yeah. under, that's how baseball is played. Yep. So I get up, dust myself off, don't say a word. Next pitch, I hit a foul ball home run. Next pitch, another one. Now that pisses me <laughs> off. Yeah, you did. You, you did your yeah. one. You got it. You, yeah, you, you, intimidate me, not, yeah. but you don't don't hit me. Yeah, you know. So I go down. 
Again, and then they had a pitcher, a catcher named Lance Parrish. I don't know if you remember him. Six five, built like just, just a tank. So I get up and I'm laying on the ground and I turn and I start screaming at him from the ground. Do that again! I'm gonna kick your fucking ass. You know, Lance Parrish comes around and stands right in front of me like this. Next thing you know, I'm going over. So, big boy. Yeah. <laughs> I get back in the box. I fly out to center field. And we had the first base dugout, and I round first, and I told Milt Wilcox, I'm going to kick his ass. He says, what's stopping you, son? So instead of running to the dugout, I ran to, I ran to the mound. Yeah. <laughs> like an idiot, I take my helmet off. Why would you get in a fight and take your helmet off, you know? Yeah. And I remember throwing that thing down. And we got there, and I'm running at him full speed, and he's kind of coming at me. And I never said a word to pitchers on opposing teams. Never said a word to them. On the mound, you know, he looks pretty, you know, because he's standing on a mound, he looked pretty big. I didn't realize he was 6'3". So here I come running at him, and he's not on the mound anymore. And I'm going... I'm going to get my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I went this far. I'm going to finish it through. I got to. I yeah. got to. So I start to, and I'm running at him, and I'm winding up, and I'm, I'm, I got it going. And the first base umpire, a guy named Greg Koss, grabs me from behind. And as I get there, I just stop. So we get there. Now we got a, I kind of got a hug on him, and he's got a hug on me. And I get him on the ground, and I'm on top of him. And now, baseball fight, everybody in a dog pile. I swear to God, I'm hammering him, hammering him. I'm hitting him time and time and time ago, right in his face. But I can only get my hand back. It's like this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get back yeah. because guys are on me. I'm going, <laughs> giving them noogies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, there's, there, yeah, they don't they don't do the fights like they used to. But you know what? I I got kicked out of the game. He didn't. Um, probably got fined five hundred bucks. Nowadays, you get in a fight like that, probably five game suspension. Yep. Yeah, unpaid, right? You're unpaid. You're making twenty million dollars a year. Yeah, think check, about yeah. it. Oh yeah, is no. it worth it for them? No, you no. don't see any fights anymore you'll see a little bench you know so little yeah pushing but you will not see anybody go fisticuffs anymore like you did back in the 70s 80s and 90s it's what, best, what would you do when, they see when you got like when you got thrown out of a game what would you like what was your what would you do go sit <clears throat> well, you go, go sit, shower no, eat you, no, you clubhouse go sit, go sit in the locker room have a few beers yeah snack watch the game on tv how many how many games you get kicked out in your career uh i was good for about one a year that's about it I never got fined. I never paid a fine. I think the Royals paid everyone. There you go. Paid everyone. But there, you're getting fined 250, 500 bucks. That's it. Yeah. Not like the NFL fines. Tyreek got fined what? Seven thousand. Seven thousand for, for, for socks. The socks weren't. You have Come to have your on. socks up to your knees. Oh Did you guys God. have any of that in baseball? Was no. there like a uniform dress violation? uniform no. stuff? No, they didn't have anything like that. Yeah, you get. What stuff. I don't like now is you got guys wearing orange shoes and green shoes. I mean, we wore blue shoes. We wore blue shoes, and we wore uniform. You have to wear uniform. But I don't know where they got this from. And, you know, you hit a home run, you'd run around the bases. Now you hit a home run, you throw the bat, you do a stance. 
You do a little dance. You almost get the third. You back up five feet, and then you run again. <laughs> you got a special handshake with the third base coach. Then you come in, and you got to do all this stuff, and you touch home plate. And then the guy that's on deck, he has a special handshake. And then you go in, and you put on a mask. And a, <laughs> Man, you did that in the 70s, 80s, or 90s. You wouldn't even be alive the next day. Yeah, but you, I, I don't understand it. That's weird. Play the freaking game. Entertainment. But you get guys wearing green shoes, and they don't have green in their uniform. Yeah. The third baseman for the for the White Sox, Mikado. Oh, yeah. He comes lime in town, green. he's sitting 220, and he's wearing lime green shoes, and the, and the uniforms are white and black. And I don't get it. What about uh, the oven mitt? Oh, the oven mitt. What about everybody with all their gear on, their elbow pads, their shin guards? You well, know? Yeah, it's like you're, I mean, you're, come you're on. a catcher your kids, running down. Your to... kids don't wear that stuff, do they? No. Yeah, they better not. No, I won't. I didn't I even wear batting alone. gloves. I wouldn't even wear batting gloves, let alone an elbow guard, a wrist guard, a ankle guard. I mean. Chin guard, yeah. chin, uh, chin helmet. Well, everybody, I think a lot of guys wear those now. I think it would really distract my oh, vision. Yeah. No, I it, yeah, no, Rex. And I think Bo it would really distract helmet, my vision. But no. you know what? I, I, I think they should make a rule. It's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing sometimes when you see a third base or first base coach standing there, and let's say the first guy gets on, and you see this a lot in spring training. Now bat boys are going over to get all the armor, yeah. but you know the first guy might get on, and the guy takes off his batting gloves and gives them to the first. Put them in your freaking pocket. You got pockets, put them in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or the, 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 then the guy's got to get his little oven mitt on. His oven mitt. So he gets his oven mitt off. He takes his elbow pad off. He takes his wrist or his uh, ankle guard off. And he gives it to the first base coach. The next guy gets on. And the guy goes to second. Now he takes all, off, off all his shit. And he gives it to the first base coach. The next thing you know, the next guy gets on. The first base coach is over there <laughs> like he's going shopping yeah. at the grocery store. Yeah. He's got so much crap in his arms. And I think I think Major League Baseball should should put a rule in. Whatever you wear to home plate, you wear on the bases. Right. The mm-hmm. most important burst of speed that you're going to have that hole is from home to first. Yep. If you hit a ball in the hole and you're going to be bang, bang, play, and that's slowing you down that much, then don't wear it. Right. So now you get on first base, and you got to take everything off. You get a double, and the bat boy's got to run all the way to second base, and this guy's got to take off his elbow pad, yeah. his, his shin guards. Yeah, he's got to get his oven mitt put on. <laughs> and then put that on, and they're trying to speed up the game. Yeah. 20 mitt. seconds between. Well, Bobby Witt got picked off the last game of the year. Yeah. Last game of the year, he's... Trying to go 30-50. He gets picked off. He gets picked off first. He gets in a rundown. He makes it back to first. The umpire calls him safe. Bang, bang, play. Well, he goes to grab the bag with his hand, you know, to hold on to it. But he's got his bat, his oven mitt on. And those things are like, they're not an oven mitt where you can bend it. Yeah. You can't even bend them. Really? It's like fiberglass melted and stuff. And he couldn't grab on. He slid off, and the guy tagged him. Well, what are you going to do? That's why, you know what, I, I never slid head first. I always slid with my feet first. Yeah. If you slide feet first, you don't need an oven mitt. Yeah, it's uh, baseball is weird nowadays. Well, you got guys that still slide 
feet first with the oven mitt. Yeah. You see that? Well, but. that's the stupidest thing. Well, yeah, what's I, that I, for? I don't know. I just think they like putting it on. They gotta, they gotta look good with it on. I don't know. Look good, play good. I guess. I don't know. I don't, what, I don't get it. What was about Kansas City that made you stay here after you're done playing? <clears throat> well, I, I got to the big leagues in '74, being my first year. '75, uh, you know, you have no pull then. Right. You have no pull. Yeah. 75, you know, all of a sudden we, we, we were pretty good. Now, the Oakland A's won the World Series in 73, 4, and 5. They were in our division. And, and so, 76, we beat them. Now, we go to the playoffs. 77, we win our division again. I signed a five-year contract after the 77 season, I think it was. And 78, we win again. 79, we lose by two games. 80, we win. We go to the World Series. About 1981, I signed another five-year. So I'm going, God, I've been in the big leagues. Six years, we've been in the playoffs four times. Right. You know? Yeah. Where, where else am I going to go? Playing in October. It's like you guys playing in January yep. and February. Yep. That's when the fun is. Yep. Yeah, it's tough to play. It's not tough. I mean, I always enjoyed playing the game of baseball like you guys enjoyed playing football. But when you make the playoffs, it's, it's special. It's different. I'm going... Okay, now if I don't sign this five-year contract, and where am I going to go? Who's paying all the money for free agents? I could be a free agent and probably make more money. Am I going to go to California? No, I'm not going to go there. I grew up there. And it's a pain in the ass to play in your hometown. Okay, I'm not going to go out there and play for Gene Autry. Do I want to play in New York with George Steinbrenner? No. Do I want to go to Texas? Because they were starting to get into the free agent market. No. Do I want to go to Chicago? No. You know what? Kansas City's a pretty good place. So they had a lot of respect for me, and I respected the organization because they offered me a five-year contract very early in my career. And three years went by, and they gave me, they said, we want to sign you for another five years. So I said, okay, fine. So then about three or four years go by, and, uh, and they go, hey, we want you to finish your career here. So before you know it, I'm locked up for 20 years, and it was all long-term contracts. Yeah. And if I had to do it over again, it would have been better for me to sign. I would have made more money if I would have signed 21-year contracts because I realized that you never get cut. <laughs> they don't cut your salary ever. Right. you got to be really a shitty player to get cut. Yeah. And, and the way they just started giving raises out, you know, it would have been better for me to sign 21-year contracts but I was injury prone. I mean, I had five knee injuries. I broke my shoulder. I had torn ligament, uh, rotator, labrum, five knee surgeries, uh, or five knee injuries, all playing on AstroTurf. Everyone came on AstroTurf. Mm. Um, but if you sign a long-term contract, you're signing security. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah for so, baseball, for yeah, sure. For, so you get paid. You get paid every penny of that contract. So it was, it was a great move. But you know what? I wouldn't have signed all those years with the Royals if I didn't think that we would be competitive. But we Because we were so competitive. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with the city of Kansas City. Oh, no. You're I not mean, from here. You live yep. here. You're not from here. You live here. Yep. You're from Massachusetts. Where are you from? Indiana. Indiana. I'm from California. And I love Kansas City. Yep. Go out and visit California whenever I want to. You can go back and visit yep. Massachusetts whenever you want to. Yep. But this is a great place. And I didn't get married till I was 39 years old. 
but it's a great place to raise your family. Yeah, Tremendous place to raise your family. hundred percent agree with that. And I think that's why so many ex-players live here. Yeah, I think uh, at least the Chiefs and probably very much for the Royals is like we're it's one of the top PA, I think, places that if they look at like retired guys that finished their careers in Kansas City, they stay in the city. Yeah. One of the most teams in the area that have that aspect of like the guys staying in the city that they're they play in and you didn't know much about kansas city before you came here did no you? didn't have any idea did you have any idea that okay uh man i I'm, before you even got here and played one game for the chiefs yeah i think i'm gonna move there yeah no it took it my wife was a little bit quicker than i was but no it took it took probably being here f- five Five years, and we were like, "All right, we're gonna settle down. We're gonna we're gonna have our family here. We're gonna buy some land and build." So let uh, me ask you a question: Did you? My brother Ken gave me great advice when I was very young. He said, "George, if I was you, I would stay in Kansas City. I'd buy a home and live there. Meet as many people outside baseball as you can, yeah, yeah. because so many people, if they just keep going back and forth." From if I would have went from Manhattan Beach or Elsie Gundo back to Kansas City and then back to El Segundo, you don't meet anybody. Yeah. You, just, you just meet the guys on your team. Yep. And you don't meet people that actually live in the city. So the first year I lived here, um, the first year I lived here in the winter, you know, I got to know waitresses, bartenders, restaurant owners. Yep. And, and to this day, a lot of these people are still my friends. Yep. And, and, I, and I try to encourage the younger Kansas City Royal players to buy a house here and become part of the community yeah. and get to know people because I think they'll enjoy it so much more. Oh, yeah. Rather than just depend on, okay, Whit Mirrorfield and so-and-so and so-and-so, they go out and have dinner every night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, no, you, you have friends outside the game. You have, have friends to. outside the no, organization. And that, and that was honestly huge for us. I mean, f- for us to be here is when our kids started getting into different activities. Right. And then also for us to just start getting friends outside because for, for me, I have, you know, a couple of really good buddies back at home that I'm like, <clears throat> all, I, all my friends here are on the team. So in the off season, everyone would leave. And then I'm like, I don't know. So then when we started really doing that, like you said, is going out there, you know, meeting new people, other people outside of the sports world. That's when we were like, okay, we've got a really, really good group of friends here and we're going to stay here and, and, and put up our and yeah, put up our and, roots. And, and especially when your kids get to age, yeah, where they start school. Alex Gordon would always go back to Lincoln, yeah. Nebraska, and then all of a sudden, Alex Gordon, you know, we got two months to go or a month and a half to go in the in the season, and his kids would go, you know, didn't have to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So I think the one year that his kids went back to Nebraska, they'd come in on weekends. Alex said, you know, enough of that. Yeah, I'm buying a bigger house in Kansas City. And we're going to live in Kansas City. Yeah. And yep. you're, we're, they still got their little house in Lincoln or whatever they have there. But he's made Kansas City his permanent home yep. now rather than oh, yeah. doing I see, that. And, I see Alex a lot yeah, over and, KCFC. And, with his you know, he's so. out there with his kids. He's the head coach of his kids' teams and, and doing all this stuff. And Alex has met so many people oh, yeah. in town. You know, and it's uh-huh. easier for a guy like Alex or you or you or me to meet people. Yeah. You know, it's not like we work at, you know, some company and yeah. and that's it. Um, um, the people, they, they definitely care about their athletes that are, that are in town that have played. Even me, like I played in five, six, seven, eight games in my career. But outside of football, 
people still care about me. They, they want to help as much as possible. Those connections that you talk about, it's something that to me, I mean, I'd never been anywhere else. I don't know any better, but all the free agents that have ever come to the chiefs always talk about like, man, this place is awesome. The team loves each other. Like the guys want to hang out outside of the building. And then two, you go outside of the building. Like you said, you meet a couple people. They want to help you. They want to do everything to make you feel at home. And that's, I think that's what's special about KC. Do you want to ask him the question about how you think you can <clears throat> yeah, manage I, an MLB team? Yeah, what is yeah, what's uh, that? So your front office time, we'll get out of here in a couple minutes. I want to ask this before you go. I have, okay. a, I have a strong confidence that I could go be the Yankees bench coach. Okay. How, what goes you said in, manager. Don't change it now. You said manager. I could manage, but I 100% could be a bench coach. What goes into being a bench coach, and how hard is it to be a manager of a baseball team like the Yankees now with their players that they have? Well, I think the Yankees would be a little harder than Kansas City Royals. You know, the Yankees are expected to win, and right. we're, we're trying to build a winner right now. Yeah. So winning is <clears throat> or losing is is not acceptable, but it's the process. Right. You know, <laughs> did the Royals want to lose 106 games this year or however many games? No, yeah. they didn't want to, mm-hmm. but they did. But I think a lot of good things came from that. You know, you got Garcia. Uh, Mikel Garcia, you know, is an everyday player now. You yep. know, before you didn't know Bobby Witt, you know what he's capable of. Uh, you got Massey, you got Pasquantino, who missed the year with injury. We got a, a lot of good young pitchers. The Yankees are expected to win every year. Right. And, and, uh, and uh, you got the New York media, the East Coast media, which is a lot tougher oh, yeah. than. So you didn't, you believe me, you wouldn't want to start off in New York. Okay. If I was you, I would start off in, in uh, Oakland. Uh, Oakland, <laughs> good, good one. I would start off in Oakland. You might end up in Vegas. That would be right, pretty good go. deal. San Diego. I would start off there. Well, back. San Diego is not laid back. They got a huge payroll, and they got all these guys that are making thirty million dollars a year. And and God, I just don't know. Bob Melvin's a great friend, and I heard the first year that he managed the Padres, and everybody expects them to win. Oh yeah. But they're going up against the freaking Dodgers. Yeah. You know, and the Dodgers are always good. Yeah. And they got they got three probably of the top 15 players in the league, the Padres. But, you know, some, I, don't, I don't know. It's, that's chemistry. How hard is it? I think that because I heard that that whole deal is in San Diego. It's not the talent on the team. It's right. the day-to-day bullshit really in the locker room and I'm well, batting and practice yeah. and on travel days and there's just too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the bench coach, all he does kind of always lets the, lets the uh, manager knows that, okay, this, this is what might be happening in an inning, you know? Uh, yeah. I've never been a bench coach. I've never been a manager, but you know, he's just there as a sounding board and a guy to make suggestions to the owner. And that's what he does. I think a bench coach is a good job. Yeah. It's a good job. I would rather you try to be, I would say, Garrick, more of a bench coach before you try the managing job. I mean, I always thought it'd be easy to be a head coach in football. I was in Andy Reid's one day. I was drawing plays in his office one oh, day. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. drew plays on his yeah. chalkboard. How'd they, how'd they go? He didn't play it. Didn't use them. <laughs> didn't use them. He, he still hasn't used one. Ah, God. We'll ask him about that. And it, well, well, and yeah. here, here's one of the plays. And, and it, this is crazy. I think it would work. Let's hear it. The other day, there was watching the Chiefs game the other day, and all of a sudden, the Chiefs came out in a formation. Their team, timeout. 
You want to know how to get rid of a timeout immediately? Some funky formation. A funky formation. So here's what you do. You have Patrick Mahomes right behind the quarterback, or right behind the center. Okay. Okay? And then you have your backup 30 yards behind him. 30 yards. Okay? Okay. Mahomes gets it, throws it to him. Not all that. the linemen, all the linemen let their guys go. What, what, what are the defensive linemen going to do? Stop. Are they going to stand there and they're just going to let this guy stand there? He's 30 yards. They'll probably just stop thinking it's a screen or something. Okay. So the, he just stands there. I see why, get I, I see why I didn't use it. I see why no, I didn't you use get it. one play. You get one play. You throw it 30 yards behind you. Now this guy starts running up the right sideline. Mahomes goes back this way. He's, a, he's the backup quarterback. Yeah. Okay. 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 If, if the guy can run, and you got guys down here doing things. If nobody's open, he throws it back to Mahomes. Okay. Okay. Now what? Now he can go anywhere he wants. <laughs> he can find an opening. No, so You see what I'm saying? Right, I, we get I, what you're I saying. get what you're saying. Now, maybe, maybe they save that for a last play scenario type stuff where you always see the guys throwing the ball around. Yeah. Maybe that's what he's waiting for. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe he put it in the, the, the catalog. It's in the vault. Maybe it's, it's in, in the, the vault. vault. And maybe they're using, like we talked about Saturday mornings, we'd go over our end of the play scenario, end of the game scenarios type stuff. Maybe that's the play he installed. It wouldn't be a bad one. It I'm might. telling you. And, and there's so many variations of that you, you could do. So many. I feel like football coaching is just different from, in my bias, I mean, yeah. It depends. Just, it depends, honestly. I mean, like, depending on the type of coach you are, like, if you get a really good staff that has a really good offensive coordinator, a right. really good defensive coordinator, and a staff behind it, at that point, then you just become a manager. Right. You manage your yep. time. Yep. You put the calendars together, the schedule together, where you want guys at what times and stuff like that. And then at that point, you, you become a manager. And I don't know, baseball you manage manager. Bags, you manage you manage this guy, and all you do is... Yeah, like, hey, you got your defense, you do your thing, and we'll oversight it. But other than that, like, we're not going to... Like, does the manager have a lot to do with what the hitting coach is doing with their guys? No, nothing. Yeah, the nothing. hitting coach is doing the hitting coaching stuff, yep. and the manager's just... I think I could do it. I feel good. Yeah. Okay, really so uh, so I, I got to get going. I have lunch and... Yes. Yeah, you're good. Minutes, you're, but I, I got to say one thing before we do that. I got a message here from somebody I don't know. Um, last night I was watching... I didn't. I, I watched the Chiefs. That's about it. But um, I got a chance to play golf with Sean Payton this year. A friend of mine got married, and he was good friends with him, and we were playing out in Arizona and uh, Whisper Rock, and since I'm a member there, I had to host some of his guests. And mm -hmm. So he put me with Sean, and I was talking with Sean, and he's just a great guy. Loved him. Uh, had a blast with him. Um, spent time with him at the wedding. This is when he was doing Fox in the morning yep. pre games. Yeah. And yep. He ended up flying, leaving the reception about 11.30 at night, private plane, took him back. He was living in L.A. And, uh, with, and, and I asked him, I said, so you want to get back in coaching? He says, yeah, but you know, I really don't want to get in the AFC West because you got to play the Chiefs twice. So guess where he is? In Denver. And they played the Jets yesterday. And and he made some comments about Hackett. Yep. And I was watching the end of the game, and all the players were going up to Hackett afterwards, oh, yeah. and they were hugging him. Yeah. 
I guarantee, and, and I love Sean, and I'm, I bet he wishes he could take back what oh, yeah. he said. hundred percent. But, you know, God, I, I, I just feel terrible for him. And then the coach of the Jets came over, and, and I think Hackett wants nothing to ever do with Sean again. And Sean probably would like to reach out, but, right. you know, it's just... And they might have. It's an and, awkward, and it's a, just an awkward situation, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I feel bad for Sean. I really do. Football, yeah. Football coaches... Especially, that's they don't a, forget. Do they, they don't forget, but they're such a tight knit group. Like, if you mess with one, it's like, all right, this guy's the target, and that's kind of what, unfortunately, yeah. Sean's done to himself. It's everybody like just dislikes him because of what he said. I mean, how hard is it to win in the NFL? Oh, like, extremely it's hard. So and I think, hard. and I, and I think, honestly, that situation gave the Jets. Motivation. A, little, a lot of a motivation. Yeah. And now, granted, it's not going to be a, a, enough to really just go out there and whoop and it someone. And it was but, a close game, and then, yeah. and then uh, what's his, Wilson fumbled. Yep. Yeah. At the end of the game, they run it back, and they win by 10. So, you know. And the media. But that's when the players were going up, and, and you could just see the, the how excited the yeah. players were. Oh, yep. for, oh yeah. For, for Hackett. Yep. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, and that's, it, that's, you know, that's to your, me, that's the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, if 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 the players like the coach, and I think you guys all love Andy and yeah, love oh yeah. love all the coaches that you guys have had with the Chiefs, and and you know, you win a game. I mean, yeah, you feel good about yourselves, but you feel great about the coaching yeah. staff. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And that's what's great. About like it. I love, I I love, like I, we were we've talked about this multiple times. Like I want Washington's offense to be, to be the best offense in the NFL this yeah. year because of how you, are they dude. doing. They're okay. I mean, I think they're putting up points. Um, they their defense hasn't been great to they're really above keep average. them in. Yeah, they're above but average. like Doug Peterson, you know, he was a coach here. Sure. Oh yeah. I want Jacksonville to do well. Right. Like I want. Like you. Were, I think we talked about it on the radio the other day. Like I, when I have buddies or teammates or coaches in other areas, I want them to do yeah, really, Ryan really well. I'm, I follow Ryan O'Hearn. Yep. Yeah. Every day I get up and I look at Baltimore and look at the box score. Yeah, yeah. and that's but and I that's really that. yeah, and I I want. Jacksonville to do well because of Doug and I want EB to do well in Washington and and I wanted Nagy to do well in Chicago sure. when he was there but now he's back so like yeah. there's a lot of G. Lou and the receivers I want the receivers to be awesome in, in Baltimore mm-hmm. like yeah granted I, I'm I could hurt the Chiefs in the long run but I'm like that's what I want these guys to have great success when they're not in the building anymore okay so I got a question for you do you, do you go to every Chiefs game no no you I, don't, I haven't been to one since uh since I left, last I one I went. Him. Last one I went to was uh, Raven game, when Patrick threw that crazy pass to uh, Tyreek. I got his jersey from that game. That's the last game I went to. Was it the Saturday afternoon? Fourth down. Demarcus like Robinson a, had that catch in the end zone. Is that one we're talking about? I played in that game. Uh, it was like fourth and fifteen or something. It was something. like fourth and fifteen. Rolling and I was to the sitting right, with Brett Beach. I was sitting with oh, Brett. Yeah. I was sitting with him. He said, "I want you to come to a game and sit with me." And I said, yeah, "I don't. I don't want to be around seventy-eight thousand drunk people. I don't want to drive another. I just don't want to do it." He said, "I'm sending a car. You're coming, and you're sitting with me." So that's where I was in that game, and it was unbelievable. I'll never yeah. forget it. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I talked. Yeah, yeah we, I'm the same. I'm like my kids go to every one. They tailgate. Oh, good for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'd rather just sit guess in my what, house and watch it. Yeah, guess what? Guess what jersey my oldest son wears every game. Winchester. He's the only one, and Winchester saw him before a game, and he said, "James, hey, where, where did he?" He's come a up long. With? My son was a long snapper. He was a James, center in high school. Hey, James lives like five minutes. Lives, south. Yeah, James lives 
down down the street here. We met him at the uh, Super Bowl party last year. Yeah, then. James is we one of my close and, friends, and, and my son was just going crazy. That's awesome. Like you said, that's probably Winchester. the only one in the whole stadium. Yeah, only one in the oh, whole yeah. stadium. Oh yeah, no, I've seen that. If that's if I've I've seen it. Yeah, I, I've seen that. He sits right. The, he yep. sits right behind the goalpost. Yeah, I've where seen Tony the, Depardo's band used to be. Eight I've rows seen up. Jim. Yeah, Winchester jersey up there. Well, George, we appreciate your time, and yeah, this thank is you. obviously yeah, a, this a true great. honor. This is this a true honor great. to have you on. So we appreciate yeah. it. And hopefully, maybe well, we'll have you, you on our. Maybe we'll have you, you guys on our podcast. I'd love that. We can talk about golf. Talk about golf, football, football, whatever we're we want. We had Justin Reed on the other day. He was great. Yeah, he was great. Come on, I'll go. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. You got to come duck in the hood. Too. You got to come in the hood. That's fine. I'm going to hold you to the duck hunting gotta, too. Okay, guys, thanks for having me. Fun day. <laughs>